This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Welcome to Reporters Without Orders. I'm Ayush, your host for today. On the podcast today, I'm joined by my colleagues Nidhi and Tanishka to discuss their reports on the funeral of activist uh, Stan Swami, who passed away on 5th July in custody and the protests surrounding his death and the mainstream media's misreporting on Aisha Alvi, who was also allegedly harassed by journalists for converting to Islam. Uh, and we'll start with Nidhi. Now, it's, it's, uh, now we know, I think it's out in public, we did a shot, that now there's an FIR against you in a town 400 kilometers away in UP called Shah Jahanpur. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, tell us, uh, how did it feel uh, when you first learned that you have this FIR on you? I mean, I think these days, all my friends are going through this. You are, I think, the closest home. So tell yeah. us how it felt. Uh, to be honest, uh, I think I'm still processing it in many ways. It's been four, five days now. And uh, when I heard about it, uh, it was uh, it was very unsettling. I've had uh, friends from journalism also telling me that it's a good thing I should wear it as a badge of honor. But uh, at this point, it's definitely been quite unsettling because I think the main thing was that they didn't name News Laundry. They, they pulled out a tweet, which I had a uh, Twitter thread that I had done on the story that they reported. So there, uh, so the journalist has filed the FIR accusing me of a Twitter claim, which he says, with where he says I've defamed him. Um, and it's not uh, towards News Laundry. So I think that was the unsettling bit for me and if i understand it correctly it's not civil defamation it's i think criminal defamation yeah which is problematic because uh, as per law you can't file a case of defamation that way uh, directly so if uh, he ha- if someone has a complaint of defamation they have to file a complaint which is then produced in front of the magistrate and the magistrate then decides if it's worthy of an fir or not and in this case up police has gone ahead and accepted this complaint and registered an FIR without going to the magistrate, which is a clear violation of the law. Uh, so, which is what we have now asked for a quashing of the FIR, uh, claiming that this is procedurally problematic. And also the fact that this accusation of defamation holds no ground because our entire story, as well as the Twitter thread, is a clear, uh, the lawyer said this, we have used the journalistic terms like allegedly. We have never made any claims ourselves. So we are quite clear from our end. And we're hoping yeah. that it will get touched. Right. And and the story in question, uh, you know, the background of all this is uh, a story filed on the 1st of July called Threatened Us, Tried to Extort Money. Muslim Convert Accuses Media of Misreporting and Harassment. And uh, the central character in the story uh, of yours, Nidhi, is this person yeah. a 30 year old woman uh, called Aisha Alvi uh, yeah. who converted to Islam in May? And her life, I mean, reading your story, it's just been a tough life because she seems to be cornered from the state, from the media. And, uh, you know, even now, uh, as a journalist, you reached out to her, and even now you're in trouble as well. So just tell, about, uh, tell us about Aisha, uh, what she's gone through. And Akanksha has also reported on this. Uh, uh, investigation opened by the anti-terrorism squad in Uttar Pradesh on an alleged conversion racket led by these two men called Muhammad Umar Gautam and uh, Mufti Kazi Jahangir Alam Kazmi. 
so I mean, and News Laundry has reported on these stories. Uh, listeners can check out Akansha's story. They should definitely read these stories. So, Nidhi, tell us about uh, Aisha. So, Aisha is a like you mentioned. She's thirty. She works in Delhi in the Delhi International Airport. Uh, she's a ground staff, and um, she converted to Islam uh, in May. And uh, she was a Hindu who converted to Islam. And she has in her petition that she's now filed in the Delhi High Court, she has clearly said that she has done this as per her own free will and there is no coercion or threat from anyone. Uh, so I personally have not been able to speak to Aisha because her lawyer said that currently she is very scared. Um, the ATS also have been looking for her, the anti-terror squad. And the reason why, so this is what the lawyer is saying, right? The reason why Aisha has gotten involved uh, in this whole thing and the reason why it's become news is because of these two arrests that the anti-terror squad made of uh, Umar Gautam and Kazi Jahangir, right? Uh, they found them, they arrested them. And according to Aisha's lawyer, they had a register in which they had listed the names of people they had converted. And Aisha's name was on that register. And that register, according to the lawyer, was leaked to the UP police. And the UP police then leaked it to the journalists. Um, one of them, who Aisha's lawyer said, and I'm saying this Aisha's lawyer said repeatedly because I again don't want to be called out for defamation or I'm not making this claim. Um, so this person, the lawyer said that one journalist uh, whose number is mentioned in the petition called her continuously among other journalists as well. But this one journalist pestered her so much that uh, she finally gave him the address. Now, the police also leaked her conversion certificate to the journalists, which had one address. Uh, she was not there in the, at that place. So she then gave her uh, current, like wherever she was staying at that point, to this journalist who went there. According to a lawyer, the journalist then asked her to give a video statement saying that she was forced to convert by a Muslim man. Um, at which point she got scared, she gave the statement. But after she gave the statement, apparently the journalist then started telling her that, uh, you know, if I publish this, you could get booked under the anti-conversion uh, law. Um, so then the lawyer said this journalist started uh, threatening them, saying that if they didn't want uh, him to publish this video, she must pay him 20,000 rupees. Uh, which in her petition also, she said that this journalist uh, forcefully extorted 20,000 rupees from her. Um, so uh, what we did was we reported on Aisha's petition, right? So Aisha then uh, came back to Delhi and she filed a petition in the high court saying that there were a lot of media organizations that were harassing her, intimidating, threatening, uh, extorting money, misreporting uh, her case especially because she made it very clear that she had uh, converted as per her own free will. And in multiple other video statements that's, that she did end up giving later, she has clear, clarified that she wanted to work uh, in Dubai and she felt that converting to Islam would help her get the same benefits as the people there. And she then wouldn't have to face discrimination in Dubai. And she said, everybody, this is something I did for my own progress. And I don't think I need to be called out for it at all. So I'll just hold you there. Now, yeah. uh, you know, the UP police, which is, which says, and you've spoken to uh, officials in the police and they've commented on it. They say that, uh, you know, their allegation is that even though Aisha herself says that she did it out of her own choice, 
uh, they alleged that there was some sort of luring that she was you know almost um, very patronizing language that she was uh, seduced to convert into islam and that there were some transactions involving money or you know some ulterior motives so just tell us what the up police is exactly saying about aisha so the up police who we contact we contact the sho and the additional sp both who refused to comment saying that this is an investigation by the anti terror squad uh, we finally reached the additional director general of police law and order prashant kumar who told us that uh, if she has converted as per her own free will there is no problem so then i clarified with him and i said uh, which she has said that she has converted as per her own free will for a job in dubai now the problem with the act and the and the problem with the law is that coercion is a very vague term right so then i said does converting for a job amount to coercion and he said yeah if you convert for service job love marriage all of that falls under coercion so then of course aisha in that aspect she thankfully there hasn't been a case booked against her yet but as per what the police is saying she could fall under that bracket right despite her making it very clear that uh, she was not coerced into this but the fact that she's uh, saying that she did this for a job itself for the police can amount to coercion so and and what the police says basically covers almost everything so i think at the end of the day if you convert out of your choice for something as uh, you know uh, simple and ordinary as If, uh, if you're marrying someone, if you fall in love with someone, uh, even then it's coercion, which is of course uh, ridiculous. But please go on. Uh, tell us about uh, Deep Shivastav, who allegedly, uh, you know, tried to extort money from uh, Aisha. And what happened when you reached out to News 18? What did they tell you, or even if they responded at all? What what went on? Yeah. So Aisha's petition, uh, namely, says two things. One, there is a journalist who extorted money from her, and two, she has listed Op India and uh, Punjab Kesari, two rep- and two reports that they've done on her, and she's accused these two reports of misreporting her case uh, and maligning her. Now, when so I we were reporting on the petition, so I called the number given in the petition, and the person identified himself as Deep Shivastava, who works for News Eighteen, and I asked him if he met Aisha, and he said yes, I met her, and I reported on the story like everyone else, uh, and then I asked. I I told him that you know she's filed a petition in the High Court and this is uh, this is what she's saying in the petition and she's given your number and said that the the person who called from this number has extorted money from me is there any truth to any of this or what is your what is it that you have to say to it so at this point he said I uh, I can't have this conversation over the phone any hunger I called him two more times uh, he didn't respond. and the next thing i hear is that he's filed an fir uh, and he's registered a complaint and the police have registered an fir against me for defaming him uh, that's that and, and we also confirmed with aisha's lawyer i called and asked him if uh, the the number given in the petition does it belong to deep shrivastava and he said yes uh, it does belong to deep shrivastava so these and there is this is one way for us to verify right and this is how we also stated it in the story that Uh, a number was listed in the petition. We called person identified himself as this, and that's what we've said in the tweet as well. And that's Deep Shivastav's role in this. Um, now the police also have the other thing that she's mentioned is misreporting and maligning. So a lot of reports, and we've uh, along with Op India and Punjab Kesari, we've also listed reports by Hindustan, uh, by Times of India, by Aaj Tak, by Amar Ujala, which. 
each have made different claims right so times of india said she married a muslim man uh, after uh, converting uh, op india has said that she uh, had changed to get to get a job but she's also married to a hindu boy who is working in mumbai so and then a lot of these reports have gone ahead and called her extremely greedy uh, saying that uh, look at this a woman who has become greedy and will now get a better salary uh, and that's why she chose to convert punjab kesari also went ahead and published her conversion certificate which revealed personal details such as like her contact number address email id uh, after our piece and when we reached out to them for a comment they did pull it down so i don't think that report is up anymore last i checked day before it wasn't um so this is what she said in her petition right and it's it strikes me as very you know uh, hypocritical that op india decides to call her greedy i remember indian express had reported once that mr ramit malviya who's the head of the it for the bjp had once written to facebook asking facebook to monetize op india so that the you know portal could make money of whatever content they put out on facebook so it's, it's almost as if if you're making money you become greedy and by the definition op india should also be in it but at one point in your report you wrote that you know she was feeling unsafe in shahjahanpur and she had to come back to delhi in june yeah. and you know this reminds me this that's not the first time that you know a young woman has felt unsafe uh, in that part of uh, north india because just two years ago uh, i had i went to shahjahanpur and i reported on this case where another young woman had alleged that swami chinmayanand also uh, you know he's a bjp leader he's been an mp in uttar pradesh uh, from the bjp that uh, he was harassing her and he was after her life and she had also fled from shahjahanpur and she was actually captured somewhere outside delhi i think in rajasthan and i i very clearly remember the you know the hanging out with journalists in shahjahanpur and the the way they conducted themselves and in personal conversations it was always raising questions on the character of this young woman who uh, you know had to leave her city and uh, and you know leave her home and stay outside because she was not feeling safe and not just her, her character but her father's character her mother's character and i i remember writing then that misogyny is almost an industry in shahjahanpur and the way uh things happen you know it's just not suitable for someone to be safe in that environment but uh there is uh... also the line in which these newspapers and i mean these organizations have reported on a case right like i'm sure it would have been very different if a man decided he wanted to do something for a job right like how does this now turn her into some vicious woman who's running after money and even if she is how how is that wrong it's it's just it just doesn't make sense and there's complete uh, <laughs> denial of any agency a lot of these organizations have also reported how they reached out to the father the father said this and so this is what it is like they've not bothered reaching out to her they haven't bothered reaching out to her lawyer or even wanting to know what she thinks uh, her agency ends with her father's word and by the time we had uh, spoken so i also reached out to her father to know because um, she also mentioned that she was scared that uh, in one of the reports it said she was scared that she, you know her father will come and take her from delhi so i wanted to know if uh, if her father would have anything to say about it and her father at that point he just told me i have no problems with the conversion that my daughter has done i just want to speak to my daughter right now i can't even reach her and that's how scared this this young woman has become for doing something that she has a complete right to do yeah yeah and that's a remarkable consistency in all these uh, 
uh, very uh, you know poorly reported stories on uh, women converting to islam as you that you said that they never uh, you know the media groups never reach out to the subject to ask uh, the person what do you feel about the allegations because desh word should be the beginning and the end of it ideally but of course that yeah, never to look at the videos like i looked at a couple of uh, video statements that she'd given and you see these journalists the way they ask the question and if they so either they don't ask the woman and if they do he there's this one particular uh, video statement which we've hyperlinked in our story you can find it where the journalist for he's the entire statement is him asking her the same question three times and yes. her clearly saying right like he's asked her itna bada kya hua ki aapko dharm change karne ki zarurat pada what is like what and then he asks her again and after the third time he's like what did your father have to say about it i mean why does it even matter when she's clearly saying that i decided to do this as per my own will absolutely yeah yeah um that's yeah that's also awful uh so nidhi the one thing that i noticed uh, one uh, nugget of misreporting in the media that happened was this uh you know information that aisha had married a hindu boy a month before she converted and in the end as the story reveals the source of that turns out to be some uh, officer in the up police now the lawyers told you that the, that aisha is not married she had not married anyone but yet because of a source in up police all of media is telling us that uh, you know there's a hindu boy in question emphasis on hindu i think that's mentioned uh, everywhere in these stories yeah some stories have said hindu boy there are stories which have also said she was married to a muslim youth there are uh, there are some other stories which have said that she met a muslim youth who had previously converted from hindu to muslim uh, at the delhi airport i mean at the international airport in delhi and then convinced her to do this so there have been multiple statements and actually when we reached out to um, aaj tak because aaj tak had said that you know she uh, had married a hindu boy last month and the boy was working in mumbai and they hadn't actually named a court uh, i mean named a source Uh, so they just made this statement so we reached out to ajdak and we said that you know this is what a lawyer is saying what do you have to say about it so they actually didn't want to give us a quote but they went ahead and changed the copy and they wrote that uh, this is from the from the police now the police uh, when we reached out to the additional sp he refused to comment on it saying the ats is looking after the case so the police didn't tell us anything okay uh that that's uh, nidhi's a uh, wonderful story that will that has actually you know caused her a lot of uh, stress over the last few days i met her yesterday in office and i could tell that she was uh, pretty upset by everything that was happening but yes uh, readers please go and uh, check out the report it's uh, i re- i read the title again it's called threatened us strike to extort money Muslim convert accuses media of misreporting and harassment. It was reported by Nidhi on the first of July. So now we'll uh, move on to uh, Tanishka's report. Hi, Tanishka. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I, I read your report, and you know it's very uh, descriptive, and it describes this protest that took place in Bandra in uh, Bombay, and uh, or should I say Mumbai? But uh, no, I live in Delhi, so I shouldn't care. But and uh, you uh, describe how people came uh, to protest against uh, uh, stan swami's death in custody he was being tried uh, he was in accused in the bhima koregaon case and i think you also attended the funeral service i think that was online am i right right that was online so this uh, little protest that happened was outside the church where the funeral was taking place which was for limited people only 
right but the ceremony was online which uh, which right. you were a part of right so exactly. so just uh, tell us what was the whole environment what was the you know the atmosphere at this um, at this protest i saw pictures and these are very you know strongly worded very uh, powerful posters that people brought along and there were people from the congress there were people from some few churches there were citizens so what was it being like there right so um i think after uh, news of father son's death did come out on monday there was so much online rage and um, understandable uh, frustration over how this sort of took place so um it was noticeable that it didn't exactly translate as much offline but i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, the priest uh, in the message about the funeral they requested people to not gather by the church or come to the funeral because of covid protocols it was very limited there were only 20 priests who could actually go for the physical uh, funeral so people were requested very clearly in the uh, message to not come but a lot of them did come and after that there have been protests that are being organized and i think they do have plans to take this further but um the situation outside the church was i i think it was very hard for people to sort of look at this incident as um just a death you know it it from that lens uh, it was all very intertwined with the months of injustice that have sort of been uh, that stan father stan has been subjected to and all the other uh, a lot of them spoke about the bima koregao accused as bima koregao victims they wanted to use that word because uh, this sort of brought a lot of attention to what has been happening over the past two years and how uh, this law is being misused and um, the consequences were sort of visible now you know it sort of a, people did think that this is a message to anyone who dares to dissent against the government um you know judicial indifference and the way that they've handled this case i mean he died without a trial right there was no trial at the end of it so it's not even like he was convicted so there was a lot of uh, anger and just frustration over how things have gone about this right i remember uh, the express cadet editorial the next day and that said that uh, that called the whole you know his death and his trial it said it was a stark tale of injustice one that has left the highest institutions of india's justice system diminished unquote and uh, so uh, uh, and even on social media and you know a few um, channels that are still into journalism there was quite a coverage uh, of this issue so tanishka just give us an idea about who was father stan swami uh, we we've, we've been told he was a jesuit priest and all that but give us a more uh, you know in depth portrait of the man and why he was accused in the he was an accused in the bhima koregaon case and what was that case about right so he was a, a jesuit priest and he was a human rights activist he spent over 3 decades fighting for the rights of adivasis and tribals uh, in jharkhand which is where he spent most of his life and in fact some of the cases that he did fight for were also where uh, tribal youths were accused under uapa and they were in jail so he did file petitions to uh, get them out of jail and i mean ironically this is also the charge that he was accused of he was charged under so um, i mean a lot of people described him as a very gentle soul someone who was very kind and um, the fact that uh, he had to go through everything he did i mean even in may i think one of the last times he did speak uh, during one of his bail hearings he spoke about how he knows he's at his deathbed and he would rather just be at home um, in ranchi with the people he considers his family and die over there he was 84 years old um, and um, so that was very evident over there and uh, so the case actually uh, it's a 
the bhima korega case uh, it's about the 2018 jan first violence that took place in pune and the uh, 16 people who have been accused and charged for this case uh, an event that happened in december in pune where they said that these activists did sort of call for the violence that did uh, happen on jan first um, but this is all again they're all they haven't been convicted they're still under trials if the if the charges are so severe that they can't be given bail because of uapa why are they not speeding up the trial and uh, stan was uh, arrested by the nia in october months after everyone else was and uh, he was questioned several times and he was named in the supplementary charge sheet but then again he has not been charged with any, he's not been convicted of anything yet so there was that sense of frustration that um, you know people did say that if there is a case let the trial take place it's not that we're saying just let him go if you think there are links but why are you just letting him languish in the condition that he was in let the truth prevail why are they so scared of the truth coming out and ultimately there have been reports about how a lot of the evidence that uh, the police and the nia have been using uh, for this case uh, that it was planted in the computers of two activists and um i hope that this this the death of father standard sort of bring uh, this case into more limelight and if anything at least the trial takes place fast so that the others who are also old who have also been complaining about the conditions in the jail that they are in um not being very great i mean father stan also did get covid possibly from the jail so um and yeah i hope that it does bring attention to this yeah and it you know it's uh, worth uh recounting that the uh, violence took place on the 1st of january in 2018 on the first fir that was filed into the event the very next day was based on an eyewitness account at pimpri police station and it named uh, milind digbote and sambhaji bhide uh, two hindutva right. firebrands for incitement and only 6 days later on january 8th was the fir in question filed which blamed uh, these activists who gathered for an event called the Elgar Parishad that's Shanivar Wada uh, for the violence and this uh, Elgar Parishad took place a day before the violence so i mean uh, it's worth mentioning that but uh, in your copy uh, that you filed tanishka also saw that there was you know uh, the anger was not simply directed at the governing party there was also uh, you know people were also talking about the law the U- UAPA people were talking about how it was the congress that first brought that law you know in within the books and also the current government in maharashtra which uh, it's coalition between the ncp the shiv sena and the congress which calls itself a secular government which uh, uh, i think many told you is not doing enough or not doing anything about uh, how this trial which has not yet started how this case is being handled so just tell us about that too I mean, uh, the anger towards the uh, central government was evident, and uh, everyone has been talking about that. But uh, the people who did gather over here, it was not just towards the government. I mean, firstly, there is judicial indifference that um, has sort of caused a lot of anger because it's not like uh, he did not ask bail for on medical terms. I mean, it was asked multiple times, but it was either postponed or not granted. 
so sort of just an apology uh, by the judiciary saying that they're sorry about what happened it's it's not okay because it's been going on since months and uh, besides that yeah i mean the congress i mean after uh, his death there have been lots of messages on twitter where they have been uh, condemning the death and the way it took place and that the blood is on the current union government's hands but uh, what did they do right and their links to uapa you can't, it can't be erased just because uh, they're not the current government in power and speaking of the government in power uh, the mva in maharashtra uh, which like you said claims to be a secular progressive government they have they didn't do anything about it did they i mean they were supposed to review the case and i think uh, nia did take over the case after they were scheduled to re- um, review it but over the past few months there have been cries there have been talks about either withdrawing the case or taking action or at least shifting the um uh, activists who are arrested either to house uh, at home or to another facility um but they didn't really do anything about it so i think one of the most um, visible emotions there was this feeling of helplessness because a lot of people if you noticed even on social media over the past few months have been raising the issue of father stan and of the other activists saying that they're not in a good condition and father stan is sick i mean this whole uh, if you remember a few months ago when he was not given a sipper and there had to be so much outrage for uh, the authorities to ultimately allow it so it was sort of they saw it coming and to see it coming and happen in this way um i think it's very frustrating and another uh, thing that was very visible there was i think there was some sort of divide some people did think that this is sort of a message to anyone who has been dissenting and it's going to discourage people from fighting for minorities or for taking a stand or even for this protest culture that has been going on since uh, i think increasing over the past few years especially among the youth but um this other part this other side of people they did think that this would sort of be a wake up call hopefully for uh, more people to sort of join and speak up about everything that is happening or even a wake up call maybe for the uh, institutions for the governments and for the judiciary to sort of see that the way that this law is being misused you know i'm saying that is being misused but someone to tell me about how um, uapa was probably it's not being misused it's being used the way it was designed for i mean the the, the stringent bail like it's not easy to get bail when you're booked under uapa so it sort of seems like this is what um it was designed for and it is what is taking place so um another person who is uh, very active in he has been um having these protests over the past few months uh, he spoke about how uh, probably one of the faults in their uh, protests over the past few months was that they were just calling for um, medical bail for father stan or for the other activists it wasn't mobilized in a way where it was for um, to repeal uapa which is what their course of action they said was going to be over the next few months it has to be a larger issue and there has to be proper mobilization so that um, the authorities do take notice and this is not an issue that just dies down i mean if you've noticed over the past like two days again with the news of the cabinet reshuffle and everything that has been happening um, news of father stan is again it, it's gone uh, it's been subdued over all the other things that happen which is how a new cycle works but um, because there is sort of this has raised alarm over how the other activists are being treated or what could happen to them i think that uh, these activists do believe that it's important to um, take this issue to another level and to speak about repeal to repeal uapa ultimately right and 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 you wrote in your report that uh, you know after the mass his remains uh, that is uh, father stan's remains were taken to shivaji park for cremation and uh, from there the ashes will be sent back to jharkhand so tell us more about the event itself the funeral which you saw online what was happening uh, what did what what stood out what did you notice most 
Right. So I didn't attend um, all of it because I was mostly uh, outside talking to the people who were there for it. So um, a lot of people who did come, I think about a dozen of them were um, not really activists, but people who had just come to pay respect. A lot of them were Christians because I think his story sort of did touch a lot of people um, who weren't aware of his work before, but because of the news, uh, the way that uh, even his death was covered, they were sort of made aware and someone did speak about how um, his work was so noble that it was hard to not feel or connect with him. There was this one woman who, um, she was one of the first people to come before most of the media came, before the activists came. And uh, she was just standing outside the church. I spoke to her a little then. And then for the next two hours, she was just outside the gates. She was watching the ceremony on her phone. And um, she said that she's just there to let him know that he's not alone, that um, his work is not going to go in vain and that she sees him and she's just she was just there to sort of in solidarity but she was there for more than two hours which I think she's one of the only people who was not part of a um, activist group who was there throughout so there were a lot of people like her who came from nearby areas or even from um, little not nearby areas which is also a task in Bombay since you can't really use local trains right now um, who were just okay standing outside the gates of the church and uh, watching the ceremony with their eyes closed and just sort of praying for his soul. Um, I think in the Christian community, there is also um, a lot of solidarity that takes place when someone does pass away, even though they did speak about how it's not really an issue about Christian or not Christian, um, not really a minority issue. But uh, a lot of people were there without any uh, knowledge about um, what really happened, the entire case. They were just there because they felt like um, his soul needed a little more um, solidarity with everyone else. Uh, thanks both uh, Nidhi and Tanishka for uh, your fantastic work. And listeners, uh, in order for News Laundry to bring you media reports like Nidhi's or ground reports like Tanishka's, we cannot depend on advertisers or sponsors who might have uh, vested interests. We solely count on folks like you who understand why it is important to keep news away from the clutches of advertisers and keep it independent. So please support us in our endeavor to bring you free and fair news, go to our website, click on the red subscribe button on the top right-hand corner, choose a subscription tab of your choice. The cheapest one costs only rupees 300, which is you know, cheaper than a packet of cigarettes these days. And uh, please pay to keep news free. Now, guys, uh, finally, I'll ask you for your recommendations, what you've been reading, listening to, or watching this week that you, you know like our listeners to also check out. So, Nidhi, what's your recommendation? Uh, this week, actually, I want to recommend uh, this piece by Mohammed Ali. Uh, it's called The Scream. Um, is, the, is this the end for Muslims in India? It's pre- published by a website called thebaffler.com. It's a long piece uh, where Ali has actually written about uh, his experience. of. He used to be a reporter at The Hindu for almost eight years, I think. And he extensively covered... Um, multiple issues, including uh, Mohammed Aklaq's story. And he actually talks about uh, his reflections of working as a Muslim reporter in the country right now and uh, how he's come to terms or is coming to terms with his identity as well as the pressure of objectivity in journalism um, and his reflections through therapy. So it's a very interesting read. 
Okay, uh, Tanishka. Um, I like to recommend this piece, which is a tribute to Father Stan. It's in the scroll. It's called the Song of a Caged Bird. Um, it speaks about the kind of man Father Stan was, uh, his work, um, of in his entire body of work, and also about um what he calls an institutional murder and what the effects of that could be. It's by Harsh Mandar. It's on scroll. My recommendations. I have two. One uh, is episode two thirty two of uh, the Seen and the Unseen podcast. It's called Understanding India Through Its Languages. It's with uh, Peggy Mohan, who's deeply studied India's languages, and she's written a book um, delving into India's history through languages. And it's absolutely spectacular the way she describes some things which you know everyone does in everyday life, but it has a history in terms of language. Uh, I was mind blown, so please check it out. And my other one is this very beautiful song I discovered called uh, "Gotta Get Away" by a band called Vista Kicks. Love is in the air when my reflection isn't staring back at me. Cause I know down in my soul that I'm hardly half the man I need to be. Calling out my name, begging me to stay. So this song is like the staying alive of uh, 2018-19 type. Uh, you know, our uh, last few years. It's a lovely song, and you'll have fun listening to it. I usually put it on when I'm driving. It's just too much fun. So uh, check out this podcast and the song and the pieces recommended by Nidhi and by Tanishka. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.